We love saving you money and we love companies that are trying to save the world. And so we've got some new information about Ball Aerospace and Technology, about their manufacturing plant in Gold, and they're looking for production technicians. You can read the full description and apply at jobs.ball.com by searching Golden. You get a great 401k, comprehensive insurance, active on the day of hire, stock purchase, ownership program. So many opportunities. So text Golden to 77222 and you'll get linked to open positions or go to jobs.ball.com and search for Golden. That's your first pitch. Now let's play ball. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Strava CBD will improve the quality of your morning because it's rich in CBD and CBG and can help with chronic headaches, joint pains, IBS, and so much more. Plus, you get zero coffee jitters if you happen to want three or four cups a day like I typically do. And now you can get 25% off your first purchase of Strava Craft Coffee when you use code DNVR25. Please support them because they've been supporting us for years and you get a nice discount using code DNVR25. I am your host, Patrick Lyons, and join with us today, new friend of the podcast, it's Evan Lang from Purple Row. Evan, what's going on today, buddy? Hey, not much. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, real pleasure. Been enjoying your work for uh, some time on on the Purple Row and had to get you on as uh, soon as possible to kind of break down some of the latest news in the Rockies world, particularly that John Gray offer decline of offer, potential qualifying offer, and just what you think about that whole situation here. Because it's, I don't know if I would say messy, but look, it's complicated and it might not be as easy as everyone was really hoping it was going to be. Well, I think easy is what everyone really was hoping it would be because rolling into the off season and after the trade deadline, it seemed like everybody was on the same page that John Gray wants to be here. The team wants John Gray to be here you know, done and done, let's make this happen. And then all of a sudden it's broken by the athletic uh, with Nick Grokin, you know, Saris that the Rockies made an offer to him towards the end of the season that was kind of a low ball at what, three years, 35 to 40 million, which is less and for a shorter amount of time than Antonio Sensatello, who just got that uh, contract extension got. And now we've got to worry about, you know, John Gray hitting the free agent market. Is he going to accept the qualifying offer at 18.4 million and sort of what's going to happen? And I, this is a, a less than ideal way to kick off the off season after what were considered super successful signings of CJ Crone and Antonio Sensatella to now that we have to be worried about John Gray. Yeah. The Sensatella contract really puts it in perspective when you look at the money, Colorado is offering up to a guy who was still two years away from free agency. And so, of course, they buy out three years of uh, free agency from Sensatella. And you think, well, certainly John Gray would have to get a similar contract, if not more, because he's going into the free agent market. There's going to be 29 other teams that could possibly lock him up, which isn't the case with Sensatella. And so, you're right that that offer probably was a little bit lower, uh, a little bit more of a hometown discount, I think, than is necessary. And because, it, you know, again, we forget sometimes that the players and unfortunately, I think we're going to learn it 
a lot more this offseason that they're part of a union. They're part of a group of guys that each one of their decisions that they make can impact others in the union at the present time and as well as uh, in the future. And so John Gray, while he might not need to go out and get the best possible contract he can for the entirety of the union, he still needs to have something that, you know, other guys aren't really going to be pissed at him about, frankly, because he took such a drastic discount, like three years, 30 some million dollars. And even, even if it wasn't for, for the players union and, and keeping up with those is that, you know, John Gray, like, every baseball player deserves to go out there and try and secure the bag, try and get the amount of money that he thinks he's worth in general. And I can't think of any ball player that's going to lowball themselves and be like, eh, I don't really think I'm worth that much money that, you know, John Gray, who's one of the more veteran presences on the Rockies pitching rotation as he nears 30 years old uh, compared to Antonio Sensatella who's, you know, secured through 2026 with $50.5 million that he was offered less time and less money than that. And Sensatella, you know, still does have that, did have that uh, two more years of arbitration and is a great deal younger. Sensatella only turned 26 this year. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if they do offer him the qualifying offer. I think it's somewhat fair it's you know he's he's not one of those slam dunk candidates you know Trevor Story we know is is a superstar and is certainly worthy of that money but I I think to some people they might even be surprised it's it's similar almost last year with Kevin Gaussman who you know had a nice 2020 and again two month season with the Giants and the qualifying offer was put on him and and he accepted it because frankly again what did the other 29 teams think of me? Did I do enough in these two months to kind of answer any of the questions people may have had when I was in Cincinnati or in Baltimore? So took that QO and and came back and, and now he's going to get the bag uh, as it were this off season. And for John Gray, you know, that might be the best option for him is to come back to Colorado and then enter the free agent market next year, next off season. And at the end of the 2022 two year, would it surprise you? I mean, is this, is this a good situation or bad situation for the Rockies to be in when they're trying to add some payroll, but I don't know that they were really looking to spend close to $20 million on one starting pitcher when, you know, the need for power and the need for pop in their offense has to be a lot higher on the, the list of things to do right now. I think it's tough because new general manager Bill Schmidt is definitely going to want to, you know, put his touch on the team compared to, you know, former GM Jeff Breidich or anything like that. But it's not a good situation because the Rockies rotation going into 2022, if John Gray was retained, pretty much considered locked down that we have all our guys there and not necessarily would be having to look for a free agent pitcher or a younger guy or prospect to sort of have to step up and take the place of a regular contributor like John Gray, because we, we had that rotation set of Marquez, uh, Sensatella, Freeland, John Gray, and Austin Gomber. And if John Gray leaves, then we have to figure out who's going to fill his spot. And if he stays, then we are spending, um, you know, almost $20 million on one year of John Gray versus 
we talked about the census Taylor extension. So Taylor is only going to get paid like $7.25 million next year, according to Jeff Passan for the terms of his new contract and then get a pay increase after that. So it, the, the Rockies will spend money, I think, this season, but having to, if they extend that qualifying offer and he accepts versus working out a more beneficial extension does kind of put them in a tougher spot for having more money available to spend on other people. And if he doesn't accept the qualifying offer, then the Rockies may need to spend more money on a free agent starting pitcher, which wouldn't necessarily be the worst thing in the world, but there are definitely other immediate needs on the team. Yeah, I think if they extend the qualifying offer to him, he would accept it because, I, I, again, I just partially because we don't know what's going to happen this offseason, if there's going to be a potential work stoppage. And if so, that's going to, you know, depending on how long it lasts, it could really minimize the amount of time free agents need to find a landing spot. And so in that scramble, he might not get what he would typically you know, on, on an open market in a, in a normal off season. And so, you know, because of that, right, you have to decide, look, if, if you extend him the qualifying offer, it's, it has to be because you want him back at 18.4 and not because you're worried about getting nothing in return for him, which would be, you know, looking back on, it, you say, well, that was a mistake. You, you lifted him off the, the trade market because you wanted to, you know, sign this extension that, it took a little bit longer than maybe you should have to try to come to an agreement and you you waited too long. You lowballed him. So you mishandled the situation. I think it would be worse for them to give him the qualifying offer if that's all the money that they've got. If if they're going to increase the payroll, you know, only by so much this offseason. And then next offseason, the word is that, you know, the overall payroll will will bump up to some of the numbers that they had in 2018, 2019. So that's, that's going to cost you a lot to, to extend him the qualifying offer when, as you said, you know, you got some young guys uh, right now that could possibly go into the rotation and, or, you know, you could just try to sign a veteran that uh, doesn't really fit in somewhere else on, on a, you know, $5 million contract. I don't know who's out there. It's not going to be anybody enticing. It might not be anybody that you can salvage and, and have a, almost an Austin Gomber like season out of, but, it could allow you to plug up other holes because if we're ultimately talking about the fifth spot in the rotation now, not saying John Gray's a fifth starter, but if you've got the four guys that, that you mentioned, Marquez, Freeland, Senzatella, and, and Gomber, you're really just talking about the fifth spot in the rotation. And, and I don't know that that's worth $18.4 million. Yeah. Especially when you could spend that 18.4 million, if you wanted to make a bigger splash on, uh, a more big name guy that could essentially be proven to be, um, you know, a quality pitching asset at Coors Field. Uh, names I've thrown out there previously is, you know, we we just mentioned him is, is Kevin Gossman, who grew up in Colorado, has experience pitching in altitude, has decent numbers in his career at Coors Field. Or if the Rockies wanted to make another risky bullpen acquisition, um, I think it was over at Rockpile, they were discussing uh, Corey Knable, who is becoming a free agent after um, being with the Dodgers this year, who has fabulous numbers of Coors Field in his career. And really, depending on how aggressive Bill Schmidt is going to be in the trade market, you know, you, we kind of forget here in Colorado that you can improve your club via trades, right? I mean, it, it worked with Robert Stevenson last offseason. And if you want to, you know, kind of uh, add by subtracting in, in a sense, 
Uh, it's not really the right term for what I want to use, but you know, Rymel Tapia and Garrett Hampson are, are, are two names that have been floated out there entering arbitration in their second and first year, respectively. You know, maybe you can bring back a starting pitcher for a Rymel Tapia, let's say, and now you can plug up that hole in, in left field or center field, whatever it may be. And that's where you can spend some of that bigger money and, and get the power because we know you're not getting a lot of power out of a Hampson or a Tapia. Yeah, and there's definitely some creative moves that this new administration can make to move people around, sort of get rid of roster bloat because the Rockies have for the last couple of years been very log jammed at multiple different positions, especially right now in the outfield where we had you know, six or seven people that can all play outfield on the big league roster. And I know the Rockies stress positional versatility, which is, is great in a vacuum, but it really is just preventing some people from getting playing time. And if you can make some creative moves with trades or or stuff like that, then you could absolutely do that. And then the the money's not as big of a deal because you're able to to bring in more talent. And that's something we need to wait and see on with with the Schmidt administration because you know how difficult it was to get trades done under the previous general manager. So it's really just a wait and see. Yeah, and you know, I, I think the the bottom line when when it comes to it is, you look back at you know 2019 and you say, oh, you had an all star there in, in David Dahl, and lo and behold, a couple things happen and he just disappears for nothing. And so Tapia is coming off of a of a nice year. So is Hampson. You know, so is Sam Hilliard. Uh, that that we saw him for there the the final month plus of the season. And you say, okay, these are assets that are are valuable to the Rockies. And they're, they're players you don't want to see go elsewhere, but at the same time, you have to give a little to get a little. And, you know, maybe there is a, a team out there, you're right, to say, give Bill Schmidt an opportunity. Let's see what he's able to do. He has a good relationship uh, with, with so many people and a lot of other organizations. That's, that's why he's been around for as long as he's been in, in the capacity of uh, the director of, of scouting. And so now as the GM, you know, we'll, we'll see if he can kind of, figure his way around that, maybe pick up a couple of really good prospects in the process, seeing as though he's, you know, viewed so many of them in the draft in, uh, in, in recent years. And, you know, one thing that we're going to have to see is uh, some more of these wonderful watch parties that we've got coming up all week, all month, all season long for the Nuggets and Avalanche down at the DNVR bar on the corner of Colfax in York. You know that you can become a member for only 50 cents in your first month. And your annual membership will actually get you a free shirt from dnvrlocker.com. When you come into the bar, we've got Hassle Cattle Company Wagyu burgers that are just absolutely delicious. Uh, happy hour specials every day from 3 to 6, drink specials, appetizer discounts. You know you get a much bigger beer when you come down to the DNVR bar on the corner of Colfax in York. And not too far away, just a couple blocks away on East Colfax is Solus Meds. And, and right now they've got some smoking hot deals they always do at this premier Colorado dispensary. They're always hooking it up with some fantastic offers every single month at any of their four conveniently located Colorado spots. There's one in Fort Collins. You got one in Wheat Ridge. And then they got two in Denver proper itself, one off Broadway and one, as I said, just blocks away on East Colfax. And they've got a special offer right now. If you go into any location, you can get a free Solus Bar or King Cone. When you mention the DNVR, 20 code that's any location of solace meds mention dnvr20 to not only get that free solace bar or king cone but you get 20 percent off 
your purchase. You can go ahead and order online as well. Check out their menu. Pick it up at your own convenience. That's solacemeds.com, S-O-L-A-C-E, meds.com. And don't forget to use promo code DNVR20. Also, you can use promo code DNVR with DraftKings, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. They've got an offer every football fan should jump in on. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. It's that easy and that rewarding. DraftKings customers can also get skin in the game with their new same game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. And the more legs you add, the more money you can win. It's safe, secure, and reliable. But best of all, with DraftKings Sportsbook, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. That's promo code DNVR this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call one 800 522 Four seven zero zero. Well, Evan, we also have to talk about a really good article that you wrote just this past week over there on Purple Row. I suggest people go and check it out on uh, one of the surprise rookies this year. And, and eventually we'll get to some future surprises that maybe the Rockies can hope on in 2022. And that was a young Lucas Gilbreth, Colorado's own, kind of came out of nowhere and uh, was uh, a breath of fresh air in that Rockies bullpen from the left-hand side. Gilbreth, I've basically been gushing on him pretty much the entire season. If anybody follows my work over Purple Row, um, I touched on it in August. I've talked about him uh, plenty on Twitter and, and plenty all over the place. Is that they the Rockies bullpen was so weird and so volatile that there was basically no reason to not give this young guy here from Colorado, uh, plenty of big league reps, especially after June when he came back for his second go around. And he, he took that workload and he absolutely ran with it. And, you know, you want to root for Gilbreth in general, cause he's a, he's from Colorado. He, he seems like a really great guy. And he made this huge jump where, you know, he played a level ball in 2019 and then didn't play in 2020 and then put in all of this work over the 2020 season off and in the off season before spring training to really improve his stuff. And then he gets his call up. He gets his first big league start in May or not start Pardon me. Uh, relief appearance in May. And in May, he gets kind of bullied. He gets knocked around. He gives up three home runs. Uh, ERA is well over eight, but then he comes back and after June 8th, which is um, his, his second stint in the majors, all of a sudden he starts locking it down and becomes one of the Rockies. First of all, basically only left-handed reliever in the pen that we regularly turn to. But one of the one of the few handful of our bullpen who you could regularly rely on to have a solid outing. And all of the other guys who you were turning to, with the exception of you know Jordan Sheffield, are veterans who've been in this for a while, like uh, Jolice Chassin or even Carlos Estevez, who I think had a really underrated season. But Gilbreth, after June 8th, threw uh, 34 and one-thirds innings with an ERA of just 210 
a batting average against of 177, and he only gave up two runs, the two home runs, the entire rest of the season in 38 appearances versus in his first nine in the month of May, he gave up three. He was absolutely clutch for them. Even was able to record his first save on uh, July 23rd in Los Angeles at Dodger Stadium. And so that kind of lets you know where he's at. I, I think the one promising thing too, not to jump off Gilbreth here, is you know, it, it might have only been two transactions, but it could give us a, a bit of an inkling as to how Bill Schmidt is different than his predecessor. And that was, as you mentioned, you know, basically going from a ball to the majors and and sure, you know, maybe if there was a minor league season last year, we would have seen him at double a, you know, for the entirety of it in in Hartford, but he gets the big jump and he gets the opportunity to do it. And so did Ryan Feltner, who was a guy who didn't even go to Albuquerque. He jumped right over triple a and got a couple starts from Hartford. And, And, you know, that could be another one of those, interesting changes that we see in the front office. And it kind of makes me think about, you know, a guy like Regan Todd, who uh, I, I'm sure, it, you know, you follow the the minor leagues, you know, really well over there at, at Purple Row. And, and maybe he could be the next iteration, not only because he's also from Colorado as well. Yeah, Regan Todd is is really interesting. And some of my uh, other writers over at Purple Row are really high on him as well. Justin Wick, who's been down covering uh, the AFL, is is also high on him he's another colorado native and uh was it? he went to he went to regis for high school and colorado mesa for college he's been really strong down in the afl he had a really solid season um with both double a AA and triple a with that with that rapid progress he's one of those guys who really sort of zo- zoomed through during the 2021 minor league season we had a couple guys who made a bunch of really quick jumps up Regan Todd, I'm really looking forward to seeing. I am expecting him, honestly, to maybe get a spring training invite because it's going to be a a year, again, for the Rockies where the bullpen is going to be trending younger as uh, veterans and older guys sort of start to walk away or the Rockies need to move on. There's a couple um, older bullpen guys who are candidates for being non-tendered or released or maybe traded away. And... Adding another promising young bullpen arm is something that I am looking forward to. I know Bud Black likes tinkering with the bullpen and seeing what he can do. Bill Schmidt, as the guy who scouted Regan Todd um, and now the general manager, is probably you know really happy with another one of these players that he scouted and and got with the team, and now. It's it's nice to be able to look and see, oh, maybe we do have some some promising young options in the bullpen because um, the issue, Colorado's bullpen has always been kind of a mystery. And you can really say that up until around this point in time that we're at now, we've never really had homegrown relief, which I think is the solution because we figured the solution for the rotation is our homegrown players who develop in our system or we trade for them early in their development. And then they're, you know, a Rockies pitcher through and through, and that is working. And it appears that this could be working with the bullpen as well. Yeah. That's a, that's an interesting angle to, to take on that because yeah, again, we, we know what it means to to pitch at altitude and, and the mindset that you need to have, but I think it's, it's just as 
easy to forget that if you sign a, a veteran relief pitcher, sure, they have to pitch at altitude and, and they've had plenty of failures, I'm sure, in their careers. I mean, they're, they're a relief pitcher, so they're going to have at least one year where they, they struggle before figuring it back out again and making those adjustments. But you're playing at altitude and that impact on, on your body and, and how that now you know, becomes the, the newest and latest challenge for you for a veteran besides just you know, pitching at, at that ballpark and, and pitching with the large outfield and course field. So again, yeah, having a, a relief pitchers does not just have to be starting pitchers, just having a relief pitcher, knowing what it's like to pitch at altitude, but knowing what it means um, to prepare your body in time and, and not trying to get away with certain things that you might be able to, when you're a veteran and uh, be able to go out there and kind of grit it out. Well, that, that might not, work uh, at a certain point it, it could catch up to you a little bit quicker at altitude and so uh, i think that could be interesting and it almost gets you excited about you know a guy like case williams who uh, was of course you know traded in that that robert stevenson deal uh, along with jeff hoffman but came back over again in the michael givens deal so maybe he's another one of those names to keep an eye on going forward and williams definitely needs more development he had a he had a solid season in the minors this year but i'm not sure yet that he's going to be one of those guys that is sort of able to bounce quickly through the minors but i definitely want to keep my eye on him because it's one of those things where the the incoming schmidt administration this is before he had been named the permanent GM, he was still interim at the time, was clearly high on him because they scouted him and they drafted him where, you know, maybe not a lot of other teams would have because he wasn't terribly high on a lot of people's draft boards. But that's one of those things where the Rockies are looking for maybe a steal or especially on a on a homegrown pitcher because I really do think we're seeing more and more especially in the bullpen. And I don't know if Case Williams ends up as a starter or as a reliever, if slash when he makes it to the big leagues, but we've been burned a lot on free agent and veteran bullpen arms recently. And, you know, that hasn't always been the case. The Rockies have a history of some, you know, good veteran relievers coming in, Brian Fuentes especially, but everybody's still a little bit sore after our infamous super pen, you know, Wade Davis, Brian Shaw, Jake McGee, Mike Dunn, and having these guys that you don't have to pay the additional, you know, quote unquote, course field tax to coerce them to come pitch for us. And then you don't know if it's going to work out at all versus the more, you know, I hate to say it, small market strategy of this homegrown, home developed pitching talent. And I think we're going to see the Rockies draft more players from Colorado in the future we're seeing it increase we've definitely drafted more players from colorado within even the last 10 years but because we're seeing this pay off i think that the front office can see this as a somewhat more viable strategy than you know other teams might because the rockies do have you know as much as you hate to admit it they have somewhat of uh, a handicap having to play any of their games at Coors Field where pitching is difficult. And if you're going for specifically these guys who grew up at altitude, who pitched at altitude in college or in high school, and then keep them here and able to keep them acclimated, like that could really, really pay dividends for the organization. 
Yeah, I like that strategy. I think that makes a lot of sense. He also wrote about some other minor leaguers about the you know end of season awards. Obviously, Zach Veen factoring in is you know is just phenomenal. Um, this entire first year of of pro ball, first proper year of pro ball after being you know taking ninth overall in the twenty twenty draft. But there are a few other names on that list too uh, that I know you you wrote about for Purple Row. Uh, start. We'll start with Zach Veen just because you know he's the Rockies' number one prospect for a reason, and he was spectacular in his first season of professional ball i am so excited for this guy where he slashed 301 399 501 75 rbis he was second in the league in stolen bases while still hitting 15 home runs he's really a five-tool player and i am so so excited to watch him progress and develop but there's a lot of other interesting guys and some of these names on here people might not really thought of. And one of the guys I really liked was uh, down with the ACL Rockies in the Arizona Complex League. And there's a lot of really cool players down there who don't get a ton of recognition. Like um, one of my personal favorites is Cole Zabowski. But um, Yorvis Torrealba was awarded postseason honors for his work down in ACL. And he's really cool because he's a little bit older than a lot of the other people down there. He's 24. But I really think this was for him a reacclimate and refigure out where he's going to be in the organization from here on out because in his first season with the team after we drafted him, he was he was okay, but definitely uh he wasn't really hitting for power and his average was way way down, but he got you know on base an adequate amount like on base percentage of 307 but with the ACL Rockies he was named a postseason all-star he slashed 356 465 500 hit three home runs he was one of the best players on the team down there and he's also one of those guys you really want to root for because he is the son of a Rockies alum because if that last name sounds familiar he is the son of beloved former Rockies catcher Yorvi Torrealba and I really, really like him a lot. Um, you know, it's it's hard to know what his future is with the organization, but I think he has the opportunity now with his performance to make a big jump forward in the farm system where you could see him go to maybe a direct assignment to AA Hartford or something like that. Yeah, and we forget that, you know, not every prospect is going to be Zach Veen. Like you said, just this wunderkind uh, or, or wonderkid, depending on any of you that watch Ted Lasso, but <laughs> he uh, just watched that episode. Uh, I'm a little bit slow. I'm a little bit behind. So I just watched that. So I had to give that a little shout out for our boy, Nate, but you know, not, not every prospect is, you know, that much of a, of a gift sent from the heavens and whatnot. You, you, you still need to have those contributing players. You still need to have those guys that can be role players or guys that are just cogs you know, in the system and, you know, your V's, you know, could be one of those guys. Rockies certainly have, have seen a, a lot of those late bloomers, you know, Daza's, you know, not very, very young. He's not a spring chicken, Sam Hillier, Josh Fuentes we've seen in the past. So um, it, it's certainly nice to see any of those guys have success no matter where they're at, you know, age wise, because uh, it's, you, you need to have some damn good depth uh, because, you know, we've got damn good beef here at DNVR uh, with Hassle Cattle Company. Uh, so damn good is the Hassle Cattle Company beef that you can now get their Wagyu beef at the DNVR bar on the corner of Colfax and York. Couldn't resist putting some damn good beef in the bar. Now you can get it 
uh, with all the toppings you want at any of our watch parties or if you're just hanging out on a random Tuesday evening, whatever it is. You can also get it at home at H-A-S-S-E-L-L-CattleCompany.com. When you use code DNVR10, you get 10% off your entire purchase every single time, not even just the first time, every single time. And every single time that you're trying to help save the world, well, you can do it with a company like Ball because they've been practicing diversity and inclusion for years while other major companies just talk about it as workplace idealism. They've got a culture of belonging that's been noticed by the Human Rights Campaign, right? They got a 100% corporate equality index score. They're trying to make it a comfortable place for you. They support groups like the Society of Women Engineers and many others. And right now you can text GOLDEN to 77222 and you'll get linked to open positions or you can go directly to jobs.ball.com and search for GOLDEN. One golden opportunity you need to take advantage of is code DNVR to get 20% off your order of Manscaped because there's a solution now for cutting yourself while shaving and it is Manscaped. Those days of going down to the basement and having it play out like a scene from a horror movie are over. So spend spooky season using the best tools for the job. That's the performance package with the lawnmower 4.0, the weed whacker, ear, nose, and hair trimmer, liquid formulations, a couple other free gifts that come with it, including the most comfortable pair of undies you'll ever own. And that's through manscaped.com. And use code DNVR for free shipping. And more importantly, 20% off. Evan... Atlanta's the World Series champs. Uh, I'm sure you had that predicted like Trevor Plouffe did uh, in six games some, at some point in March. How, how much did you enjoy watching this World Series or how frustrated were you by watching these two teams depending on where you're at on the spectrum of bad guys versus good guys? Well, so I had my predictions for the World Series completely wrong. I, I, I think if I, if I recall, my prediction was that it was going to be the Dodgers and maybe the Astros again but if not it was going to be like Dodgers Yankees or something but the the last part of the season really went went super wild and you know I don't love the Atlanta Braves there's a lot about that that you know I could get into but I won't at this point but I definitely am am happier that they won than the Astros won you know, I think I like a lot of people. I'm still a little bit salty about the whole 2017 thing, but I do want to point out that, you know, the Astros were a very good team this year and they definitely did deserve to be in, in the world series. And, you know, they just sort of shut down offensively compared to the Braves. And that's where the Braves really came up ahead, especially with guys like Jorge Soler and even, you know, Freddie Freeman belting out a couple home runs and, of all the of all the Braves players, Freddie Freeman is the guy I'm happiest for. I love Freddie Freeman. He is, you know, nothing but an absolute gentleman as far as anyone, you know, has seen. He's been a lifer with his organization. He's a great player to watch. He is incredibly talented. And I he looked so happy with with that trophy last night that you can't help but but be happy for him. And I think overall that ended up being a pretty good World Series. Um Overall, it ended up being a pretty good playoffs. Lots of interesting shakeups and things that people didn't really expect. Like, I don't think a lot of people expected the the Braves, who were not a playoff favorite at all, you know, in July and August, and then kept picking up steam and made all the right options to, pardon me, all the right decisions to fix up their lineup, especially with the injury issues they had. And it was, 
it was the very least it was an entertaining world series i think for all parties and now we can you know keep on going hopefully the 2022 season doesn't get delayed at all or not that much and we can have another awesome world series next year yeah i also got every prediction <laughs> wrong possible i think i think i had dodgers yankees in the world series i at least picked houston to win the west which you know wasn't terribly popular at the time so i felt felt good about that and then going into the world series you go okay let's reset raise over dodgers Nope, that didn't happen. Reset. Hey, Houston in six over Atlanta. Nope. And hey, you know, you give it up for Atlanta. And I, and I think, you know, I, I feel similar, you know, to you about, you know, the Atlanta organization, uh, you know, winning the World Series and, and um, you know, all, all of the political implications that can can get tied in with that. But when you look at the people, right, who did you, what people did you want to win? And I think the people on Atlanta, you probably wanted to win a lot more. In fact, there were there were quite literally no former Rockies players in any capacity with Houston, with the Astros at all that I could that I could find, that I could dig up. I'm sure there has to have been, right? We we know there's so much crossover and and inbreeding if you will when it comes to uh, you know, working in the front office and coaching staffs and whatnot, but Atlanta, you know, had them all and and Tyler Matzik was of course, you know, the big name and and probably heard that a million times ad nauseum. Uh, and I don't think anyone from Colorado is really too sick of hearing it just because of, of how fantastic, you know, uh, he's been and, and his story. It's great to see Walt Weiss who did win one as a player in 88 with the A's and, and Eric Young senior winning one and, uh, and Jonathan Lucroy. I mean, I, I think we're all happy about the two games that he contributed in <laughs> July. Right. I, there's so many people on there and especially, you know, like you said, everybody's been talking about Tyler Matzik, but it really is so fantastic to have him have seen him overcome all of this because, yeah, it didn't work out with the Rockies and his development of the Yips and his, his struggles with anxiety and really being unable to get a foothold in baseball until he came to the Braves and just absolutely nailing it. And it's been so excellent to see. And then, you know, like I said, EY senior Walt Weiss. Like, yeah, Walt Weiss maybe didn't work out as a manager in Colorado, but I bear absolutely no ill will towards him or or really anybody who was who was a former Rocky. And you're so happy to see these guys get their get their rings, get their their moment in the sun. And even, you know, non-former Rockies, Brian Snitker, a baseball lifer and a good manager. Um, Ozzy Albies, such a, a really fun young player to watch. All these really, really great players that I think overall the Braves had a roster that was a little bit more lovable. Ron Washington. There's another lovable guy. How can you not love Ron Washington? Gotta love Wash. Yeah, it, it was great. You know, I, I don't know how this postseason is going to be remembered or, or you know, what, what's the biggest stories. Because as you said, it's, it was kind of all over the place. You know, it, just, it was very entertaining. It was, it was great. It might just be remembered for, you know, fans being able to see their teams back at home and everyone talking about the stadium, you know, erupting and, and, and cheer and, uh, you know, the little earthquakes that took place all over the, the country when, when the home team scored a run and whatnot. So that was something we had missed for a while because uh, obviously with, with the pandemic and whatnot. So uh, it's, it's hard to know what, what the biggest story is. We will, again, Matzik is going to be the story for all of us 
in Colorado. Is, is there any stories or, or any through lines or narratives that you think will jump out from this World Series or just too soon to really to really know? For me, it really is looking at Atlanta and seeing that they did pretty much everything right in terms of team building and fixing things up at the deadline, especially where they had like one thing that didn't work out and it was, they traded for Richard Rodriguez from Pittsburgh and that, that really didn't work out. But the additions of Adam Duvall and Jorge Soler to shore up that outfield when, you know, they, they lost Marcelo Zuna at the beginning of the season because of his domestic violence stuff. And then, you know, unfortunately Ronald Acuna Jr. with his, his season ending injury, and they did exactly what they needed to do to have that team ready to go for the playoffs. And I think that's going to be something that a lot of other teams are going to look at now for how they address the trade deadline. Because you look at some of the other teams, what they did at the deadline, look at the Padres, who were huge buyers in the offseason and at the deadline and didn't even make the playoffs. Versus the Braves weren't really playoff favorites but just made the right moves and picked up steam and now they're world champions. Yeah. I think it, it definitely puts a lot more impetus on, you know, general managers to go out and make some more aggressive moves. And, and what was aggressive of course, about Alex Anthopoulos was just the fact that he replenished his entire outfield. And then some, he grabbed, he grabbed four guys, right? And so none of them, you know, really huge names per se Duval, of course, having, you know, really the biggest season of all of those before the trade deadline as well as after, but right. That, that aggression paid off and it, it seemed to have paid off for LA, but you know, there's more teams that are in that mid range market to, to, you know, smaller market than are in that elite class that can afford to go out and get any and everyone that they want, like the Dodgers. And, and in fact, you, you think about Houston in 2017 where they didn't make the moves they needed to at the, the trade deadline. And so at the the secondary at the waiver deadline on, of August 31st, they went and acquired Justin Verlander, and that was the final piece that they needed, uh, in addition to probably a couple additional cameras in center field uh, to to win the World Series that year. And so I think you're right. I, I like that take of going out there and being aggressive and, and addressing your needs. And you know what? Even if you have to kind of mortgage the future a little bit, which I don't think Atlanta did. I, I think they, you know, worked the phones really well, and they didn't really have to give up too much. I think Bryce Ball might be the best player of the four that they they were able to uh, give up in, in, in trades. And that was in the Jock Peterson deal to Chicago. So, you know, they, you know, and, and I was thinking about this too, before the podcast to kind of, to, to piggyback on, on your thought, because it's a great take is not only should Alex Anthopoulos get some credit for the moves he made, but I think so should ownership because, you know, I don't know what the exact numbers are, but probably one of the reasons why they didn't really need to give up a lot of prospects is because Atlanta was eating much, if not all of, you know, the second half of that contract paying out what Duvall had for the final two months. Same thing for Rosario, like those guys, sure. They weren't mega deals, but you know, that was probably the addition of, I would even imagine close to $10 million for the final two months. So I think ownership should get a little bit of praise too for saying, yeah, you know what, let's, let's go all in. If, if we can help out financially, we're going to do that as well. And it's such a mix of, of that. And then, you know, the, the Braves have a, a very strong home amount of homegrown talent as well, or 
you know, people they acquired earlier on. You had Dansby Swanson at shortstop who was uh, had a really great postseason. But the big thing that sticks out for me is that pretty much all of these guys that the Braves picked up this year, um, Jock Peterson, Eddie Rosario, Jorge Soler, Adam Duvall, had their big moments to shine where they showed that this was the right move to make during these playoffs, especially I think Eddie Rosario and Jorge Soler, who are not necessarily the the biggest moves in the world, like you said, but you know, Jorge Soler is the, the world series MVP and demolished that baseball. He, he broke somebody's windshield in the parking lot and all of these guys just, you know, the fans latched on really quickly and they all had their moments to shine versus I don't I don't think really any of them could say that they came up short or didn't contribute or that it wasn't worth it to pick these guys up. Yeah, this was the first time that the both the championship series MVP and World Series MVP were players that were acquired at the deadline. I think the last time it had happened was was Steve Pierce uh, with the Red Sox a, a couple years back. So you're right. Like those guys stepped up and performed when they needed to, like, like, like ever before. So it was, it took a full team effort there for Atlanta and Hey, they were the best team, maybe not the best team in the regular season. They were the worst team of all the postseason clubs. But once, once the calendar flips to October, it's, it's a whole new year in and of itself. Definitely. The, uh, there's a, there's a quote that I'm trying to remember. It's the, the boys that get summer, get knocked, the boys of summer get knocked out by the men of October to steal that from an ancient baseball video game called triple play 99. But it really is the case where, you know, the Braves were one of the favorites for the division in the regular season and coming into the 2021 season. But think about all the other teams in their division where, you know, things had to work out for them to even make the playoffs. Cause if the Braves were in multiple other divisions, they wouldn't have made it. Like if they were in the, the NL West, like they were back in the early 90s, the Braves would not have made the playoffs. But they did, and here they are. And you saw, you know, things did have to go right. The Giants got knocked out. The Braves were able to knock out the Dodgers. The Mets imploded. Uh, The Padres imploded. So many different things happened, but the the Braves just, you know, they kept on trucking along. They, They got it done, and I think that's what matters the most. And they did it without having to really sacrifice much in terms of, you know, prospects where they didn't really give up anybody huge, but also like they didn't bring in anybody that, you know, you would hate to have on your team. Like when the Astros brought in Roberto Osuna or, and something like that, that they didn't do anything that leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And it's like, you know, there are some things that the Braves organization has that, you know, I don't really like, or other amounts of people don't like, but in terms of players on that team, they, they didn't sell their soul to win the world series. Evan, I I had already planned on having you back before you quoted a video game, but that really, (laughs) that really locked in a second appearance here. So uh, I greatly appreciate you joining us uh, today. You know, you check out Evans. He's got a podcast too. Might be on a bit of a sabbatical here, but it's affected by altitude podcast. And you can also follow him on Twitter at Evan underscore Lang 27. Any other pieces or articles the uh, folks should go over to purple row and check out. Uh, I have an article going up tomorrow that I am currently working on that I'm really looking forward to. And 
Yeah, I guess I'll spill the beans a little bit because it's going up tomorrow at 6 a.m. anyway. Uh, it's about Marvin Freeman, who was in 1994 the first Rockies pitcher who basically conquered altitude. And I'm really looking forward to that. I think it's going to be a fun article. Um, affected by altitude, we're going to still be around during this offseason, but we'll pick up weekly episodes back in uh, when spring training's about to start. I love my co-hosts over there. Um, I hope if y'all have time, you check it out and just, you know, check out the other stuff on, on Purple Row that myself and some of the other great writers there have written. Uh, lots of Lots of really fabulous people over there that I love working with. Yeah, thank you so much, Evan. Appreciate you having you on. You know, you can follow us at DNVR underscore Rockies. I am at Patrick D. Lyons on Twitter as well. For DNVR Sports, for Evan Lang, I'm Patrick Lyons. Thank you for listening to the DNVR Rockies podcast. Hey, thank you so much for having me.